Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright, and every minute this movie looks more like Tremors. <laughs> Where are the worms? <laughs> uh, today we are talking about Minute 11, which begins with the end of Project Pegasus's base, and it ends with Fury rising to take aim. Joining us on the show today, we have a new guest to the show. It's Declan Craggs. Hey, Declan. Hello. Welcome. We are thrilled to have you. Um, you're kind of new in the movies by minute space, but you're going to be doing one of your own shows sometime soon. Isn't that right? Yes, that's, that is correct. I've been listening to movies by minute for ages and I just thought, do you know what? I've got to do it. If I don't, I'll regret <laughs> it probably the rest of my life. You're not doing tremors, are you? That's not, I, I'm not doing <laughs> that tremors. That would be too much. That, that, would, that be would be too much. Uh, so no, I'm not doing tremors <laughs> yet. Um, yet. So uh, I like no, here. <laughs> I'm going to be doing initially the first Scream movie. Oh, uh, very timely. And then we'll see how it goes. And assuming people don't hate me, uh, I will continue <laughs> the franchise. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, we don't hate you already. That's right. <laughs> Excellent. That's- <laughs> So we were talking about minute 11 of the Avengers. Before we get started talking about this uh, particular minute, which involves the end of this base, uh, just to give us a sense of your history with the MCU and this particular film. So in terms of the MCU, I think uh, when the, what year was it, Iron Man came out? It was, that was 2008. 2008. So I just left school. I remember I'd seen, I went to see it in the cinema uh, and I was about the right age. I was like 17. Uh, so, uh, and I was incredibly geeky, you know, I was really into the, um, the X-Men films and all the cartoons and all of that. Uh, I never was big into the comics, but if it was, if I could watch it on a TV, I was happy. And then, so I, you know, I've watched them, you know, seen them all in the cinema, uh, even to now. Um, and yeah, the Avengers was one of those very exciting moments where they put, many people i love in one place uh so i was just you know ecstatic at the fact there was an avengers movie it's uh, i mean it is big and bombastic for sure and, and putting all these characters and then largely making it work where you have so many characters uh spearheading a film and it feels like uh you know they all actually are given a little bit of a chance to actually perform so that's nice do you have a favorite of this particular group of avengers uh as in character yeah. Uh, probably Iron Man. I've always imagined if I was a superhero, I'd like to be a rich, egotistical billionaire. <laughs> uh, so uh, maybe I relate. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I, I like your thinking. I like That's your thinking. Aspirational, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a social network you can buy in the process. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're coming into the, we're right at the, the, this is kind of the end of our inciting incident here in the film. We've got, uh, this base, the Joint Dark Energy Mission Western Division, which holds Project Pegasus, the NASA Space Radiation Facility, Shields Accelerator Test Facility, all in this one space in the middle of nowhere. And this Tesseract incident that is brought upon by Loki, 
uh, creates a whole bunch of uh, energy that gets released. And this is the final moments of this base as that Tesseract energy in our last minute uh, exploded. I don't know. It's kind of an implosion explosion. And now this entire base is uh, collapsing. And uh, we're coming in right as all of this is happening. We've seen Fury fly away. And Hill is uh, still in the tunnel chasing Loki and Barton and Selvig. And Coulson is riding away with a, a, a truck full of troops. How does how is this action sequence play for you, Declan? Do you do you enjoy the way that everything's playing out in it? Uh, yeah, I, I quite I quite enjoy it. I think there's you know there's a, there's a good amount of action. There's not sort of loads of dialogue uh, in. Oh, there's no dialogue in this minute, but there's uh, in the whole thing. There's not too much dialogue, so you can just focus on the action. Um, I quite enjoy it. The base, I, I wonder, I mean, Project Pegasus, we learn more about down the road, but the whole setup of the story at this point is that, and we don't fully know this because we're going to have this conversation in a little bit, but the whole idea is that the destruction of this base, which had been essentially started after the uh, the Puente Antiguo incident in Thor when the destroyer came down and uh, they ended up, uh, you know, having discovered the Tesseract long ago, but with the destroyer coming down in Thor, the uh, World Security Council kind of had uh, Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. start looking into the Tesseract and um, figuring out what they could do with it as far as this uh, dark energy and also um phase two phase two has been mentioned a few times uh or really maybe only once by this point and it's kind of really vague i guess as an inciting incident like do you feel like you're kind of understanding what the whole point of this is or does it just feel like the whole thing was just to get loki here the whole thing what do you mean the whole thing the whole thing destroying this base yeah like like they've introduced phase two we've got the tesseract energy that they're studying and stuff like that but all of that is is in here, but we're not really getting a lot out of it. So at this point, does it just seem like, oh, they just need to get Loki into the story to get things started? Well, yeah, I think they need to get Loki into the story to get things started. But also, it's an action movie, and we need an action set piece. And I think opening on this big this big race to safety is a, a great way to do it. It feels authentic. It feels I, I never once question like, does this fit the narrative? Like, does this fit the plot uh, of stuff that I understand? Because whether or not I understand Phase One, Phase Two. I do understand what it's like to run from a natural disaster. And so <laughs> I have personal experience with that. I feel like I'm OK. <laughs> I'm OK with that. And so, yeah, I think it makes sense. And, and the other thing I wanted to add a couple of minutes ago, we were talking about the uh, they were uh, they were loading up the trucks and the the way Maria Hill walks out and the the way that whole sequence was cut together as Loki stumbles into the back of this pickup truck and all of that. It felt really clumsily edited in terms of of showing us where all of these action elements are in the frame, in the location. The blocking felt clumsy to us. I don't get any of that in this minute. And and looking at the parallelism of cars to helicopters, bringing the cars into the frame and moving out of the frame, it just works for me. Every one of the, the just sort of filmmaking elements, the editing elements in here just feel super competent to me. I'm never lost in space. I know what's going on. I know that Maria Hill's risking being crushed. I get where she is compared to Coulson et al., you know, as they escape the the tunnel. It just 
it, it just makes sense. I think this is a solid action escape minute. I rest my case. Okay. <laughs> my, my struggle with it is I, I end up, I don't know if part of my struggle with this minute or just kind of the sequence again boils down to the fact that I don't know how important Maria Hill is to the story. We've only heard her name mentioned a few times and it's just Hill. So if you're not familiar with the comics and you're not familiar, because we didn't get that alternate opening that really established who this character was, we're getting this character. And I mean, I, I, my sense is I can't remember exactly when I saw this film, but my sense is that when we see the tunnel collapsing and uh, Loki and, and Barton and Selvig make it out and it looks kind of like her Jeep kind of gets buried in rubble that she as a character was gone and I didn't really care because I just didn't have any sense as to who she was. Uh, do you? Did you know who Maria Hill was coming into this, Declan? Or was she? Because I know she was a comic book character, but did you? Had she been in the the cartoons at all? I don't know. No, I don't think I knew her before. Um, when I because I rewatched it in preparation, uh, the, the the whole film, I'd forgotten that initially this was Maria Hill's first appearance. So watching it, watching it now, you have a connection to her because you've got, you know, you've got other, other films where you've sort of been able to, to connect to her. But yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten that initially, you know, when the Avengers movie came out, this was the, the first time she was in it. So she could have been a very minor character for all most people knew. Yeah, and I, I I feel like that ended up being a, a structural issue that I I feel like they could have honestly cleaned up with maybe a reshoot just to have a, a an additional part of a conversation at the beginning where Fury is talking to her and it just it's made more clear who this character is because they never say her name until we're at this escape point when it's when um you know he calls her on the radio after he'd been shot and he finally says hill and so that would be a clue for at least people who were familiar with maria hill from the comics but otherwise it's just this random character that he seems to be kind of telling to do things and the fact that she kind of gets buried in rubble here i'm just like oh well i guess that's the end of that character it just kind of feels like you know the end of some some bit player who didn't really have a prominent role <laughs> Yeah, but in all fairness, like it, to the movie by minute format, in less than 60 seconds, we're going to see that she survived. No, yes, very true. Very true. But again, I don't know if I really cared because <laughs> like I just I didn't know who this character was. And that's the thing I think. Now, wait a minute. Wait, just a just a just a, <laughs> a, a minute. This is you're telling me that you didn't go into the Avengers knowing who Maria Hill was. No, how like. I, I hadn't read any comics with her. She was a comic book character that was somebody who had been kind of uh, a more recent addition in line with um, S.H.I.E.L.D. and somebody who was vying for taking over from from Nick Fury. But I had no idea who she was. And again, the fact that they never identify her in, this, in the first 10 minutes of the film, it makes it kind of tricky to figure that out, to figure out that she's somebody I'm supposed to be paying attention to. But is it is it such a big deal that we, we oh, what we do know is Fury has kind of an assistant. That's how she's introduced. She's a position of power and she survives. And say you don't even know who Maria Hill was. It's Fury's assistant. Isn't that important enough? Like, that's not enough character weight for you? Uh, 
I mean, I guess maybe, but I guess it ends up feeling like, okay, it's, is it another, like, I just don't know. Is it another Agent Coulson or is it just somebody that they're setting up for us to kill off later in some, uh, in some way to kind of create a moment of, of empathy? Speaking of somebody that is killed off later to create a moment of empathy. Exactly. Exactly. But again, that character is somebody that we have known for a number of films. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, he was another one that was, like, created as an artifact of the MCU. And I I, I actually, I just find that it's okay to me because, uh, and I know that I might be one of those in the camp that's already biased toward Hill because I knew the actor portraying the character so well because of how I met your mother. Your, right, right, right. Exactly, right? So I felt like I was already invested in who this person was. And so when I found out that she was in the movie, I immediately went out and got my Maria Hill tattoo. And <laughs> uh, I renamed all my children to Hill. And um, so I think we're in good shape. I just don't want to overstate too much the value of these first 10 minutes in establishing who this character is because the movie hasn't had like it in all fairness to the film let's give it time to play out what role she serves to you know to fury yeah and that's i mean we are going to be doing that here moving forward as the film progresses we'll get a sense as to who she is and like you said we'll see in a later minute that she did survive and there's more of her to come and so we'll see how she ends up playing out so i'm curious about that it's but you know in the scope of this story i just i i i guess i wish that i i I guess all i'm saying is that I, I wish that I had a better connection to her as a as an important character in Marvel lore. So when this whole thing is happening, I would have had a sense that, oh, this is somebody I should make sure I care about, that she's not getting buried by rubble. Well, and that doesn't, I don't want to at all dismiss any of this to the fact that women in this movie are generally not handled great. There's a lot of men in this movie and one really strong female character. And we had an opportunity with Hill to make a great, strong female character. uh, And the movie doesn't do it, doesn't commit to that. And that's, that's just, it feels dated to me in that regard. But that, that's not that I I don't want to, like, I don't have a problem with Maria Hill in this case. Okay. So I just I just want to do a touch on the car crash itself. Yeah. Yes. Uh no way would you survive that. <laughs> <laughs> you mean a mountain falling on top of you in an open oh, Jeep? Just the amount of rubble. But Declan, she has a, a little blood on her forehead. Isn't an, that enough? <laughs> on an open top Jeep. <laughs> right. What I just I watched down and thought, mm, that's a stretch. It's a stretch. Right. right. Um, and and that Jeep, no airbag. It's not up to regulation. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the military was skimping. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. That's yeah, really that's funny. That's actually a, a a good point because that was something else that I couldn't help but notice is that she kind of gets buried, and it feels like the collapse of the tunnel conveniently stops exactly where she happens to be in the tunnel, which made me actually feel like, oh, she's right on the edge of the tunnel. She's like just making it oh. out. But then Andy, we cut worse than that. But it's she's worse than that. She's yeah. deep in it. But then then there's a whole bunch of tunnel after that, because then we see yeah. <laughs> there the the Hummer escape. And so yeah. The problem is and the spoiler for tomorrow, the rocks fall and essentially stop at the gear shift of the Jeep. Like her <laughs> right. seat is fine. Yeah. But everything else is completely destroyed. <laughs> 
uh, is that a collapse ex machina? Yeah, is that what collapse ex machina. That's exactly <laughs> what that is. Uh, another question that I have for you, Declan. This, uh, so in this whole opening, this is really our first chance to get some of Clint Barton, uh, a an Avenger, one of our team that we haven't really seen. I know we've seen briefly in Thor, but really we have not had a lot of time with Hawkeye uh, up until this uh, start of this film. I know there's this whole thing with him being um, possessed, or like taken over mentally by Loki at the beginning of the film. But outside of that, which I have issues with, do do you like the way that this doesn't actually have any of our Avengers in it other than him? Like, or would you like to have had other people involved? Like, should Iron Man been here, for example? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Okay, no. I I like that it's Shield. Um, I, I'm a sort of I really like the idea of Shield. Uh, you know, and, and you know when they brought the Shield series out, uh, I was you know I was well happy. So I'm more than happy with just scenes of Shield in it, and I think also it the minute obviously I know that's what it's about, but the minute you add your superheroes, you take away some of the risk. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. So with you know you know that the Shield agents aren't going to be much uh, threat against Loki, so that you sort of watch it and you think, and oh, there's a risk that everyone actually could die here. Yeah, well, I think that's a that's a really great point, especially because in this minute we have Loki taking out a helicopter that had Iron Man been here would have been saved. Right. This is a helicopter that actually crashes in the opening 11 minutes of this movie that that in a superhero movie would otherwise probably have been resolved somehow. So I'm with you. I like the I like the shield element and was such a fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then it got to Spacey. And- oh, I know. <laughs> uh, oh, God. I know. Try not to bring that up again, because you'll just. I know. Sad. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> We're still in mourning. <laughs> how many? How many seasons had there been? It was just the the pilot actually came out. Was it right after this? I was trying to remember if the pilot came out before this or it was after. I'm pretty sure it, it was, was after because it was okay. based on when uh, Phil Coulson gets killed and then he's resurrected. Yeah. That's right. Old spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) For some reason in my head, my brain was telling me that it starts right before this, but then he's killed, and then they had to write something into the show to explain that. But yeah, you're right. It's all afterward. Network television is more of of a challenge for me. It's It's like one of those shows... Well, it's one of those shows that I I would watch, and I'm like, there were like, you know, 10 episodes of filler through this season, and they could have done this whole thing in like, you know, a, a perfect little like 12 episode series. But no, it has to be 23 because it's network TV. And oh, God, there were some slogs. And I, I still haven't finished the show. <laughs> I really was trying. I really if was you trying. haven't finished it at this point. I think it's safe to say you may never. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. I, I think it's, it's pretty I, much it. I have a hard time imagining that Quantumania is going to do a lot of season seven callbacks <laughs> to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I will ably eat my hat if they do. Yeah, right, right. Um, one note that I have that we very briefly talked about when we were talking about the location for this exterior, how it's that high school outside of Albuquerque. Right. And we had mentioned that they like digitally added in all of the radar dishes and everything. Um, this is a great, like, as this destruction happens over the course of this minute, and you see all these radar dishes collapsing into the ground. I, it, I was taken 
by how similar it looks to um, what is the field that was used in contact where it has all these radar dishes that's in New Mexico. Do you remember what the name oh. of that? Oh, like it, it struck me that it's like I, I felt like, oh, are they very specifically trying to make it look like that as if this base is like maybe at that research facility or something because there are so many huge radar dishes here and i never the really VLA, thought about that before yeah, yeah until i yeah. was watching this uh this minute to prep for this episode and i kept seeing all these aerial shots i'm like it really looks like jody foster might be sitting down by one of these and of course now buried under the rubble but um <laughs> but it really it struck me that they might have been going for that. I mean, it is obviously kind of a southwestern desert location. Does that seem like that might be a thing that they were looking at for this? I hadn't. I mean, I I hadn't thought about it until you just said it. But now it's, of course, canon. And I'm so sorry Jodie Foster lost her life in the filming of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Buried underneath the very large array in Socorro. That's very large Mexico. array. Socorro. Yeah. Right, right, right. It is... A striking location, obviously, and it works really well in context of that film. But just with all these satellite dishes, it's hard to not think that they were looking at doing something like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems very NASA-y, right? Totally. And, I, I mean, they are they are stunning, this array of, of uh, telescopes. It doesn't, it doesn't quite hold a candle to the, to the size of <laughs> the very large array. I'm looking at images of it, and it's it's very very large as what it should have been VVLA. Um, <laughs> but I do get I do get the idea, and and it also plants the seed uh, around the work that they're doing around dark energy and space stuff. Right? They continue to hammer home the point that Shield is now in the space business, which goes to the whole Phase Two conversation we're going to have later. Right? Things that fly are now and fly very very high are now Shield's purview. Well, uh, let's just make sure we're talking about which phase two, not phase two in the film. (laughs) Right. Not phase two in the film. We're not there yet. But 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 phase phase two two of the films. Of the films. Yeah. Right. Very confusing. Very confusing. It's a lot. It is a lot. So there's a shot as the base is collapsing of Fury um, through the helicopter window as he's flying away where it looks like he's a little teary eyed. Is, do, do you two have that sense that that he's a little like emotional about losing this base? I mean, it's right at the beginning of the minute, about five minutes in, five seconds in. Yeah, I remember, I remember um, seeing him and thinking, oh, he looks a bit moody. Uh, I wonder if it's because his big shield base has just collapsed. Or is he thinking, damn, we were in partnership with NASA on this. We're going to owe them a ton of money. <laughs> I was wondering about the insurance premiums. I'm thinking, yeah, right. oh, they're going to struggle after this. Totally wish we had separated some of these research functions into different <laughs> buildings. Really wish we had done that. I don't I don't know if I see that. He, he does look, um, I think he looks weary. I don't, maybe that's teary-eyed. It could just be wet. <laughs> just like, I, I don't know if I I just the problem is I have such trouble imagining Nick Fury as a as like a crier. I don't imagine he's the guy who shows his emotion through tears and probably just gets mad. Right. So I struggle a little bit with Im- imbuing him with with uh, tears of sadness. Maybe the wind was in his eyes. <laughs> when helicopter. When you yeah. just have one eye to use. Yeah, you can't oh, just you can't man. squint that one very well. You still have to keep it open to see. So, poor guy. That's one of the 
What's that? What of the plight of having an eye patch? I guess the plight of the one-eyed man. <laughs> now, all right. So, Declan, what are your thoughts on Loki as the villain? We get a little bit of him here. He's escaping in the jeep, and then uh, we get one of those fantastic uh, blasts from his scepter as he takes down the helicopter. And again, when he does it, it's like he's got this wicked kick from the scepter, which I, I love the way that Tom Hiddleston kind of portrays that. But um, what do you think of him as the villain? Do you like him as the the big bad for the movie? I do. Yeah. I, I like Loki. I like, I like Loki, but specifically I like Tom Hiddleston's portrayal of Loki. I think is what really does it. If that was done by potentially another actor that might not have, the portrayal of Loki may not have came off, you know, as, as it does now. Right, right, right. Like Richard E. Grant, perhaps. <laughs> Don't even uh, with that right now. Don't uh, even. No, I love him You're as doing... Loki. I, I, he was a delight. He was. He is my Richard favorite Grant thing. Can do honestly, no, can do no about wrong. the entirety of the Loki TV series. See, that is another Richard problem e. Grant. I have with you. I no, can't believe I, you're going to pull you. Uh, I'm just saying him in nope. that like. That fantastic Loki outfit in that show, like my favorite thing in that whole show. I loved him so much in that moment. It was great. It, it, it should have been the crocodile version, shouldn't it? In this film, <laughs> it really should have been. <laughs> and, and of course, it should have been Throg playing right. the role of Thor. Right? <laughs> that would have really made the the Avengers as a team very interesting. Like very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, all right. Well, the base collapses. Coulson and his team, they make it out just on the lip as as the whole thing is going down. And, and he seems very um, Coulson. The shots of Coulson seem very casual as they drive away, like literally right on the edge of what's collapsing into the earth. But, you know, he's he's thrilled. He's out. Hill is buried. And then, of course, we have this helicopter takedown, which is kind of uh, kind of fun to see and i really do enjoy well i should say i feel bad that we never get even a line out of the helicopter pilot but i guess it doesn't matter because he he goes down with the copter and uh i love that fury is tough enough to just jump out of the copter and uh and make it down which is very fun to see so this is kind of the end of this big the battle between the copter and the hummer and so now we have this minute ending with Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury rising to his feet to start uh, taking shots at at the Hummers that drives away. Do you think the uh, the scene with the helicopter getting shot down would have been better if we would have heard the pilot screaming for his life? A hundred percent. Gruesome and awesome. Yes. What we should have had in the moment, in the moment when Fury came running out the door to get into the copter, uh, just in the last minute before the whole thing goes up, um, we should have had a very brief conversation between him and the pilot, establishing like this lifetime lifetime relationship between the two of them, and how this person has always yeah. been there for him to always, always you know pull him out of, the, of these scrapes at the last minute, and sort of godfather to his kids that sort of yeah. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. And then the whole thing happens here where the chopper goes down and that's the end. See, of I love that you're I love that you're doing that as a like you're doing this as a bit, but really what you're saying is that's the scene that you wanted with Maria Hill to <laughs> yes. in the beginning. Like that's what you wanted before she's covered in rubble. Before she's crushed 
by the entire <laughs> mountain falling on her, or at least the back of her Jeep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get it. You get it. <sighs> it's so fun. Um, I, I will say the sound design in this minute is fantastic. I love when the chopper goes down. And I just got to say, the effects on the chopper sequence, as it flies down, you got the smoke swirling around it at night. I mean, it looks beautiful. Like, everything about this chopper crash is very effective. And then as it goes down um, safe uh, with, with Fury safely away from it, I love the way it rolls, and you get this um, thwopping of the of the propeller blades into the ground as they kind of get chunked off. It's, I mean, it's a very exciting way to kind of end this chopper crash. Thwopping is what you just said. Thwopping, thwopping, thwopping into the ground. I I don't want to litigate this too much, but it sounds more like a thumping to me. All right. Wow. We'll save that for the community. <laughs> is it a thwop or a whoop? Declan, do you have do you have a vote or do you do you have a third option? I don't know why you would want to increase this conflict between us, but go ahead. I don't want to make anyone angry, so right. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay impartial. We, we you won't like uh, we won't like you when you're angry. Is that what you're saying? Right. That's right. I'm worried I might not like you when you're angry. That's <laughs> noted. And as a guest, I shall stay impartial. Um, There's but, a certain yes decorum. Yeah. Right. 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 But I do. Yeah. I. I love the uh, the chopper scene. I think they could have easily done it with him just jumping out and then you don't see the helicopter anymore, but they sort of really focused on it for that brief period of time. Yeah. Um, which really, I think, added to the scene a lot. Very much. Does it? Okay, so we have Fury firing at the Hummer as it's driving away. He almost, I mean, we get this cutaway to the Jeep as the windshield right in front of Clint kind of, shatters and i mean is he aiming for loki is he trying to just take the jeep out is he actually aiming for barton any do do you think that he would like what do you think of fury's mindset is he the sort of person knowing that barton is uh has been mentally taken over by loki along with selvig would he be willing to kill him at this point i think so and is that what he's trying to do you think he would i think Fury's pretty brutal if he had to be to make those tough decisions. Yeah. Um, and I don't imagine that Fury's a bad shot either. So I, I think he, you know, if you shoot the driver, then the vehicle's going to come to a stop. So I imagine that's what he was intending to do. Yeah. Well, and that's what's interesting about this. When you look at where the bullet hits the car, it really does look like it hits the car right at Renner. I I always look at that because then it cuts to the interior shot and the bullet feels like it's hitting a slightly different place. Like, like, you know, I mean, it's good. We don't want Clint Barton to be killed, but also, and we need the miss. But um, to your point, is Fury a better shot than that? Certainly. I mean, maybe that implies that he'd be as good a shot as Barton is himself, which is not true. But um, I do. It is something I look at. It's, it's an interesting way to play the scene because uh, i like the idea i mean to your point declan that fury does what it takes and if it means that he has to to shoot barton in order to stop this uh potential you know global threat then he's willing to do that i think that's a really interesting element to him as a character that we see here um but also to your point pete it the way that those two shots are constructed back to back the exterior when it looks like it's essentially almost hitting clint and then the interior where it looks like it's just completely past him 
um, it, it can be a little confusing. Again, it's really fast cutting. It's hard to really tell. And obviously, as the audience, we just, the Jeep keeps going or the Hummer keeps going, we get a sense that obviously they get away. But um, it just, I don't know, it gives us a better sense of the way the Fury needs to be in an action sequence, which, I mean, this is our really his first opportunity to do something like this in one of these films. Yeah, I like I like the idea of Samuel L. Jackson jumping out of more stuff. And being willing to shoot one of his own team members. Yeah. If that's what it takes. That Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of continue this conversation as the team gets built and they start having more conversations and, you know, seeing where things go. So, yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if I have anything else for this particular minute, unless either of you have any particular moments. I, I do. Yeah. I do have something else, Andy. And I'm going to address this to Declan. Okay. Uh, in our notes, Andy has a controversial line that he's put in our notes of things to talk about. Quote, Colson looks like he's acting. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, I know Andy and I have been really uh, at odds with each other around many things in this minute so far, but do you have any opinion on Colson's acting in this minute? Is he believable to you? Well, and I should clarify. I should have said Clark. <laughs> Clark Gregg, as past guest on the Marvel Movie Minute. Are we sure <laughs> we sure we want to pick that particular scab? So, yeah, so I, that's what I was going to clarify, whether you were wondering whether the character was acting or, or, the, or the actor of the character was acting. Because that's confusing. next level if Colson yeah, is acting. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got to perform for these <laughs> He just seemed like normal Phil Colson to me. Oh, okay. All right. That's good. That's good. I don't know that we need to say any more. I mean, Andy will get it. He'll come around. <laughs> it's just, okay. it's similar to his shot of, of him when the ground is shaking, when they feel that first tremor inside the base. And he's got that look on his face like, oh, the ground is shaking. <laughs> It's it's similar here. It's it's like I can see the director saying, "Okay, now you're watching the whole base collapse behind you as you drive away." And there are grips shaking the vehicle to make it look like it's bouncing along the ground and action. And we just see him <laughs> looking and then he kind of at the very end of his look, he kind of looks down like there it all goes. I don't know. I just I feel like it just it Maybe maybe what I should say is I feel like he needed better directing in that moment. How is that? Can I is oh, that is that better to say? <laughs> that's much better. That we can we can have a field day with those kinds of comments. You bet. <laughs> I'm and I'm just sitting here thinking whether I'm gonna be a guest on any more of your shows, knowing how much you hate uh Phil Coulson, oh. which deeply offends me. No wonder you haven't got through Shield. <laughs> there you go. I love Bill Coulson. I love him. I do. Declan and I are going to do a spin-off podcast <laughs> that's just Coulson by minute. Coulson, woof. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'll let you two take a crack that's at right. that one. <laughs> Seven seasons. Network seasons. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, it has been a thrill having you join us uh, today, Declan. Thank you so much for chatting with us about this particular minute of the movie. Yeah, no, it's great. Any opportunity to talk about something nerdy, I'm in. Outstanding. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, um, your show's getting underway, so do you have any sense as to kind of a timeline for it? So we are hoping to start recording end of February. I think we're probably looking at 
some point in March for the starting of the releasing episodes. Uh, being new to it, it's going to take me a little bit longer to get my feel for things and, and get it right and not sound rubbish. Um, so, yeah, I think we're probably looking at mid-March for release. Fantastic. Outstanding. Well, keep us updated. Uh, we will make sure that we uh, share the release with uh, with everyone that tunes in here so they're all aware and uh, people will be tuning in to do what is it just going to be the screen minute or what are you calling it do you have any screen movie minute screen movie minute screen movie minute there it is well uh, we are thrilled uh, to have you and certainly hope to get you in down the road and uh, I guess that's it for today so we'll be back tomorrow to talk about minute 12 so Pete thanks as always specifically tomorrow Andy you know Marvel heroic typefaces (laughs) That's right. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.